We are in an empty hotel room. I think we're on the roof of the hotel there. Okay. Uh, we are on the top of the castle. Uh, Teresia Flamebreaker, the Breaker of Flames, has fashioned herself a makeshift altar, candles, and she's reciting simple prayer to Iomade. Out of her bag, she pulls the scroll that was given to her by Susan B. Anthony last week. <laughs> and then uh, begins to recite the spell. Uh, Teresia, you feel a lightness in your body. You feel like you have indeed made contact. Uh, it doesn't feel strong enough to be Iomade, but it's probably somebody close to her. And you feel this like sensation in your head. The words don't form, but you can feel you feel like you know what it's trying to say, and it's ask your questions, my dear. For the inheritor's work, I come with twelve. Ask, and you will be answered. Is the prophecy of the heralds true? Yes. Is Sirix truly a herald? Once. Was Gorguga herald? Once. Was Grey Tuller a herald? Once. Was Truxton Pendleton a herald? Yes, he is. Treja inhales sharply, considering but knowing she has to move on. Is the current war between Malthun and Nermathos involved in the prophecy? And it gets kind of fuzzy there for a second. Hmm, this is unclear. Can Penny Rousseau be trusted? Unclear. Should I stay with this party or depart to fully focus my efforts on the Herald prophecy? Unclear. Sorry, just eyebrows farewell a little bit. Are the Iron Fang using some type of dwarven artifact in their war effort? Yes. Can the members of the upcoming Synod be trusted? Yes. Is Prince Gorm Greathammer a good and just man? Enough of one. Teresa inhales deeply before her final question. Can Samana be saved? There's a, a longer pause in between this one than there has been on any other question, and the voice simply responds, What do you think? And the spell ends. All the candles flash out at once around Teresia as he sits on the roof of the building, staring at the setting and the rising stars. A dragon flies overhead. It's that one again. Next morning, uh, Charlie wakes up in his room. Nobody else is there. He, he must have overslept again. Typical oh, Charlie. Oh, God. 10 p.m.? Jeez. <laughs> I missed the whole thing. <laughs> Charlie uh, gets his shit together. He puts on his clothes. Okay, that's going to take way more than five minutes. <laughs> we fast forward in time, and Charlie puts on his clothes. He does whatever he does to primp up Buster. And then he slaps on his armor, puts on his adventuring gear, and then sheaths a magical talking sword. This week on This Galarian Life, it's a makeshift clip show! They arrived in the middle of town, almost out of nowhere, out of a strange pillar of stone. And Derek, it was a black pillar? Uh, on it. As the party recounts their journey thus far. My nephew, despite some of his uh, deficiencies in his learning process, he was able to... <laughs> I was going to say character, but go on. <laughs> Can they convince the leaders of Crocodon to help their quest? In the battle, my husband died due to Dragon's Breath, but luckily the beast was felled. Do they even have enough information? We were able to defend Longshadow's walls and then sallied forth against a large stone structure outside the city. 
from which we deserved Iron Fang troops exiting. Although Charlie just screwed it all up. This is where I was born, by the way. I didn't go outside much, so I didn't know about the whole dwarf menace thing, but uh, I encountered a few unpleasant ones on hunt. But anyway. Listen to find out. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode 99 of This Scalarian Life. Uh, when I first set out on this podcasting adventure so many years ago, I didn't realize that the episode before our big one, next week's episode 100, would be so functionally perfect for a milestone episode. Episode 99 is, for all intents and purposes, a type of a clip show. In this episode, our characters will find themselves in front of the court of Krogodon to explain the adventure so far. Honestly, it just kind of worked out perfectly. That's not all that happens in the episode, so make sure you listen to the whole thing, or you'll miss out, but we're super excited for next week. As things finalize throughout the week of recording and editing a super-sized episode, we'll probably release more details about what's going to go on. Follow our feed, check out what's going on, and we'll let you know. But there will be an episode next week, and it's going to be an absolute banger. As we prepare for episode 100, I hope you all will follow us on Twitter, email us any questions, check out our Patreon, like, review, subscribe to us on iTunes or any other podcasting apps you like. It all really does make a difference, and we've grown a lot over the past year, and we're excited to show you what we can do in the future, and all of that starts next week. But until then, we'll just jump right into this week's episode. Presenting episode 99 Charlie versus Crocodon Trial of the Century. So it is episode 99, uh, which means next week we will be doing a episode 100. Spectacular. Yeah, we're just skipping 100. Sorry to build it up, everybody. As Gina wakes up in the morning, Sublime is paying, playing during her wake up music. Smoke two joints in the morning. So, so this week uh, we have uh, a little bit of fun planned. So we've brought in a special guest voice actor star, uh, friend of the pod, roommates with Gavin and Will, uh, Dakota. You want to introduce yourself? Hello, I'm Dakota Moore. Dakota got the uh, news that he was going to be doing this episode about five minutes before start. Uh, it was actually last week, but Derek actually told me uh, about what I was doing in this episode uh, oh. about two, three hours ago. You find yourselves in the halls of the Dorvin Synod. By the way, as we're all sitting on, standing off the sides of the hallway, Trey's got one foot kicked up on the rock wall, hand on her sword, and she's looking at Penny real close like. So, so you all are in the halls of the Dorvin Synod. You just finished the meal, and the leader of the Synod the man that most of you recognize as the great Prince Gorm, Great Hammer, stands up and he says, Greetings and welcome to the Sky Citadel of Kragadon. Though your visit comes at a suspicious time, we dwarves aren't one to skip on hospitality, so I hope your stay has been pleasant thus far. My name is Gorm Greathammer, third Prince of Kragadon, and first seat of the even-handed Sinai. Along with me is my sister, an exemplar of crud, Thramira Greathammer, the overseer of Kragadon's trade and clan relations, 
Lady Heichel Volatum and Royal Archivist Carburton Lightbrand. Worst names, man. <laughs> they are the worst. I do a deep curtsy. Seems you all have quite a tale to tell us of your arrival here at home. I, for one, eager to hear it. Carburton is, of course, the archivist you guys have met in the Dwarven Tunnels. Uh, he stands up and nods to you all. It's it's uh, not often this this uh, synod gets together on such a uh, quick notice, but of course this this is a very important uh, procedure that has to be done. So we are to begin. Madam Thermira, Lady Hikal, would you like to say anything? And uh, the Howden woman, Thermira, sh- very sternly uh, shakes her head no. And then she winks at uh, Teresia because they're basically the same person. The first section, of course, of the adventure was the Battle of Fandar. Uh, or would you like to hit, hit the high notes of that one? Sure. Um, do I need to make any checks right now, or do I do them? No, nope. we'll do it after. Okay. Um, um, what was the name of the festival we were celebrating? Uh, it's the Mark or Harvest Festival. It was just generic. Very good. And ours harvest festival. It was the evening of our market festival. Uh, after all the revelry, uh, most people had retired to their homes or were out drinking at the tavern. And all of a sudden, the town was just full of hobgoblins. Uh, they attacked and pillaged, but mostly uh, tried to take hostages, most likely for their slave. They, they arrived in the middle of town almost out of nowhere, out of a strange pillar of stone. And Derek, it was a black pillar? Uh, onyx, in fact. Onyx. Out of an onyx pillar of stone that uh, just showed up in the middle of town and they all just started pouring out of it. And unfortunately, our town was ill-prepared for an attack, even more ill-prepared for a invasion. Luckily, my husband and some of the other uh, people I point to uh, uh nephew, uh, Truxton was there. Um, oh. There were a few others. Um, they were able to fend off the attack for the most part and uh, managed to round up some of the hostages and escape over the, uh, the river and destroy the bridge so that the Iron Fang wouldn't be able to follow quite as quick. After that, we had to escape into the woods and try and seek shelter. So APC outside of Laura on this one. And every everybody can make this check. One of you can make this check. It could just be Laura. It could be Penny. It could be Gina. I need a DC 20 sense motive check from somebody. Ooh. Oh, that's me. That's definitely me. Yeah, not me. Uh, and, and you all can aid if you need to. I have, a, I have a plus 21. You don't need to aid. Okay. So we're just going to say every time this pops up, you can uh, do it. Okay. Um, I, uh, I rolled a 36. So you, as a group, kind of get the sense that Laura can make a sense motive check on this one to get uh, some sort of bonus on her check. And it's going to be different every time the first one just happens to be sense motive. We can help you. We can aid Laura. Laura, make it. If you don't make it, that's okay. I forgive you. But no, I do not forgive your player. Does it have to be a sense motive for me? Well, that sucks. This this isn't success or failure. This is just a bonus to the check. Okay. Ooh, fuck. That's a three. Plus one for four. Uh, that's pretty close. How So how, in telling that story, how would you best like to convey 
what is going on? What kind of check do you want to make to influence the Synod? Would a knowledge local work well in, because like this is literally my hometown that got invaded that uh, yes. I've been living in for several years and raising my children in. Uh, so we'll say that the the uh, most convincing part of your story is you being able to uh, convey who your neighbors were as like actual people rather than just random strangers across the across the plains of Nermathos. Derek, I like that a lot, honestly. So will I roll that check? Oh my god. <laughs> Natural one for... Uh... I do have a plus 15, so it's a 16. Look, Laura's got eight charisma. Please be nice to her. But she speaks truth. I think that deserves a reroll. <laughs> I mean, we can aid on this one, right? I mean, I don't have uh, knowledge Eric. local, but I know that right. some of us do. Car Burton, he stands up. He says, it's very interesting that you uh, were able to escape such uh, such great violence at the hands of these people. Uh, what did you What did you do next? You, uh, you obviously couldn't have survived in the woods without without shelter for a very long. Uh, who's going to speak here, everybody? I'd probably do part three, though. I was going to say, is this one of the things that I had a vision about Truxton? Uh, yeah. Okay, I can do it. Then, uh, then I'll introduce and I'll say, well, that's a good question, um, sir. These instances of pure violence are not ones we like to remember, but you need the whole story to feel what we did. And though we don't have anybody directly from there, someone close, someone very close, can tell you what happened. Gina, you could say this better than anyone, please. Uh, somebody give somebody give me the sense motive check besides Penny. We can flip-flop who it is if it is, but... 29. Okay. Oh, Gina, damn! So you can get a... Uh, you kind of read Carburton, um, and you he's like like a fucking super nerd. So you think you can kind of get the bonus on this check if you make an appropriate appraise engineering or spellcraft check uh, while discussing the vault builder in the Troglodyte Caves. So, just as Penny said, it is correct. I was not involved at the very beginning of this situation. However, my nephew, God rest his soul, was there. Truxton Pendleton, what a an upstanding citizen from Krogadon, my heart and joy, jewel of this city, honestly. As you may not know, I am psychic, and last night I was visited with a vision that gave me the details of pain that my nephew went through and, and the work that he did to protect the refugees from the city of Nier, of, of Niamathas, or Feyenda, I apologize. Vision wasn't that clear with all of the details. The group of refugees from Feyenda struck out into the woods looking for shelter. They, they did find a small cave that they were able to hide in, but it, it wasn't safe from the hobgoblins searching through the woods. So finally, after some, some betray internal betrayals from people that they had picked up from the city, uh, different people that are or different individuals that had kind of tried to turn them in, they finally find a cave full of troglodytes. Oh, troglodytes. Now, first of all, I'd like to say that this betrayer sounds like some sort of cock-sucking son of a fuck, but... That is son of a bitch. That is exactly <laughs> the wording that I would use to describe him. What were you saying about troglodytes, Medea? It's, uh, it's very strange to come across troglodytes. I've never met one myself. What, what was their uh, society there? Their well, living see, situation like? You know, in my travels kind of throughout the whole material plane, 
it, you know, I've seen troglodytes here and there. But what was what was very interesting about this vision that I had uh, in regards to my nephew, there, the society was almost the, in this cave. It was almost like crumbling a little bit. There were all these troglodytes living in these caves that had once been like just beautiful architecture with all of these jewels and carvings. And at the very base of this cave, which are our the original group fought their way through trying to carve a space so that they could safely live. There was a tomb where the troglodyte leader, she thought that there was a god dead in that tomb. And they called him the excavator. Oh, this is very interesting. Did, did, did your nephew uh, uncover any information about this excavator? It's not any god I've ever heard of. Interestingly enough, my nephew despite some of his uh, deficiencies in his learning process, he was able to... <laughs> I was going to say character, but go on. <laughs> some of the uh, deficiencies in his, you know, mental learning process, he, you know, pretended that he knew how to speak the troglodyte runes that were in the cave, and then somehow actually stumbled upon the right answer. The, the troglodyte saw, like, the excavator as, as a godlike figure, though he probably wasn't an actual god. And the uh, leader of the troglodytes opened the tomb, thanks to the help of my nephew and uh, the whore of the group. They found the dead body of the god, and the tribal leader was so upset she started a fight with them and they did have to kill her. So, this is so a cave with a dead god and traps and puzzles to uncover it. This is very interesting. I would like to go there someday, explore. This seems to be. Seems yeah, to you'll hear more about here. this later, but the refugees are no longer there. So, you know, it's a free museum, buddy. I will, I will get this, this dead god and give him to top men. Uh, give me a, a praise engineering or spellcraft check. 31 spellcraft. Okay. He is very impressed by your tale. Uh, how would you like to uh, resolve this section? Um, I would like to use my profession psychic since I am trying to um, display the vision that I had last night uh, in great detail to Carbert. So I, th I think how this is kind of kind of looks to them as you mention your psychic and they kind of think that's batshit insane but you like do such a good or bad job uh describing everything and how everything looks that they kind of come around and realize that you're Maybe you know partial you know. batshit insane uh so i rolled profession psychic i got a 34 the natural 20 Ooh, well yeah they they carburton's like damn this this lady's super psychic and <laughs> I'm going to start my own museum. Heck yeah. Gina brings up a wonderful story, and not a story like your kids read in books, but a reality for our people. As we kept going and kept fighting, and there were many steps along the way, harsh steps, powerful steps, steps that can only be said by those who were there or those who felt loss from those. Laura, I know you've spoken before, but you know this strife better than anyone. Please. Uh, since motive check, somebody. 28! Um, so, Gorm Greathammer and his sister, the paladin, are just 
on the edge of edge of their seat uh, after being offered a, a good old fashioned war tale. This reminds me of the time that I went down into the Underdark and I killed a umbral dragon single handed. Lost my great hammer, but I, I found it afterwards. I had to rip a fang out of it, stab it to death with its own tooth. Which is, uh, by the way, everybody, canonical. That's pretty <laughs> badass. Uh, yeah, so you think, uh, Laura, if you can somehow succeed on a perform check, uh, you will bring them over to your side even better. But that is just for a bonus and not a requirement. Boy, I'm sitting at a fat negative one to perform, but uh, you know we'll we'll find out. So as as the uh, we set up camp in the uh, the cavern, uh, we still had to be wary of Iron Fang uh, patrols in the woods. Uh, they would often uh, get close to our camp, and we'd often have to either lure them away or kill them. They're coming from a place called Camp Redjaw. There, the uh, the Iron Fang forces had uh, set up a, uh, a recon camp, and from there they were sitting out patrols into the woods looking for survivors and anyone who might threaten the main force moving about. My husband and his companions managed to attack the camp. From what I understand, in a rather strange fashion, they created a distraction by loading up a cart full of homemade moonshine and <laughs> alchemist fire, from what my husband told me. Don't forget uh, the gnome piss. Apparently there was also gnome piss. I look to, uh, to Gina and I know it. Gina, Gina looks down uh, somewhat like ashamed, like she purposely left that part out of her vision. <laughs> Uh, they led this to the front of the camp, and the explosion, uh, after it unfortunately hit some kind of landmine, uh, created a very large commotion, and from there they were able to storm the camp. Um, they also fought a rather powerful bugbear named Scarnivorous. Um, from there they were able to shut the camp down and gather military intelligence to learn what to do next. Do you want to? Do you want to try to do a big old perform? If I do bad, does it count against me? No. Okay, I'll try. Hey, got a 16. Can I aid her with my perform? Penny's just fucking dancing in the background. It's Um. So how, how are you trying to convince them? Um, I'm trying to... Uh, I will... Uh, I'll try to focus on the uh, importance of uh, scouting and how they're able to... Uh, use the environment to their advantage on the attack, and could I use survival for that? Yeah, sure. You know us crafty Nermathy. Uh, that's a 25. That section seemed to go well. Uh, Gorm and Theramira are literally s- stepping out of their seats now. Gorm is giving a standing ovation, and he starts walking up towards the party. Ha 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 ha! Killing troglodytes, orcs, bugbears, Moonshine and gnome piss, truly, truly worthy of dwarven warriors. Uh, Laura, as a uh, as a fellow soldier, uh, sees this approaching, and she's dealt with dwarves before and returns it in kind. Although she is, what well, she does return the hug. Everyone who is above can see the discomfort on her face. I must hear what happens next, and then he goes and takes the seat. Somebody want to give me a sense motive? Okay, so on this one. Um, a bluff check or a knowledge nature check will give a a potential bonus. 
So actually, uh, as as Cobb's telling the story, I'm not going to role play it because it's weird. Uh, Car Burton, every time he mentions, he what, describes the Fae. Every time Cobb mentions one of the Fae and then describes it, Car Burton tries to uh, dwarf explain him. Uh, so part of the bonus for this one is that Cobb has to beat Car Burton's knowledge nature check. And Car Burton has a plus 16 bonus. Or the explanations are at a minus two penalty instead of a plus two. Uh, Ob rolled a 15. Car Burton rolled an eight. So Cobb did, in fact, win. And there will be no dwarf splaining in this house. Park the car at Harvard Yard. I wasn't really around for this, my good uh, one friend, uh, well, not one friend, one-legged uh, halfling boy, his name is uh, Sirio, and he told me all the stories. I kind of wish, uh, yeah, all, all these people uh, were around. I was uh, kind of tied up at the time uh, in a fort up to the north, but my buddy Sirio, who's also a Chernsonata ranger, told me all the story. Uh, boy, I wish I wasn't tied up at the time. Fucking, the birds were in the NCAAs, and Mm. I guess you you don't get to see everything in this lifestyle, isn't that right, guys? Uh, That's right. You're, you're fighting them. You're fighting for for your family and your home. You you don't get to see a basketball. Yeah, what? Yeah. So here's here's the gist of it. Cereal, he's tied up at the bottom of this fort that was recently attacked by the black dragon. Isabark. Isabark kind of just leaves and kills all the rangers except for Cereal for some reason. I'll use him as bait, whatever. So Zabark leaves and gives the fort over to these weird little fey creatures. Uh, uh, and then they just start fucking partying. They call it the Red Rock Revel. Uh, it's basically the, the rocks get red because they just kill a lot of things over them. And then they just get blasted out of the mines. It would have been a good time if I was there, I would assume. These people are the, the ones that were there at the time. Come in, kill all these fey creatures, uh, make a deal with the red caps to kill the leader. So this uh, this motherfucker, uh, Hulk, he's a Korad, he's running the revel. Uh, the red caps don't like it, so they send they send uh, the party in to kill Hulk, who's a scald, and he's singing some Nickelback and stuff, which is probably really bad and probably a bit of a copyright infringement. But you know, I wasn't there. Uh, so then the red caps turn. On the party, the party kills the red caps, and then they're safe from the fort. Or so they thought. And then Cobb rolls. I think he'll just call it a knowledge nature. And then the final part of this book is if anybody else wants to take over, I think it's you all can uh, recount how you uh, saved me and my rough riders. Laura, I believe your husband was a hero of that tale, if you'd like to. Uh, sense motive, somebody. I did it can last time. I'll do it because mine is the highest. <laughs> this is appropriate. 27. How well? <laughs> if you present a token or trophy from the final battle against the Black Dragon, uh, you get a plus two bonus on the skill check. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wearing the fucker, so. <laughs> After they dealt with Scarniferous, it was. And I've only heard stories. They, um, they did well. Uh,. They went on, and as as they fought the dragon, something horrible happened. And Penny looks at Laura, almost in tears. The battle for the fort 
was an interesting one. The uh, the fort did have a small garrison of hobgoblins, but also a female hobgoblin druid. From what I understand, she was working on creating some kind of poisonous mushroom or something that would corrupt the forest, uh, and was being aided by the black dragon. Uh, what was the? Did we ever find out the dragon's name, Derek? Isabark. The black dragon is a bark. Um, she and the dragon were not necessarily the best of friends, apparently. And with the aid of a troll, they were able to convince her to join them in casting the dragon out. There was a pitched battle, and unfortunately, in the battle, my husband, Greg Toller, died due to dragon's breath. But luckily, the beast was felled. Um, after that, the uh, hobgoblin, much like how all hobgoblins do, betrayed us. And afterwards, uh, the fort was uh, transformed into a uh, new refuge for the refugees. Uh, they named it New Tullersburg in my husband's honor. And also in his honor, I wear this armor, Black Dragon Hide, from the very dragon who slew him. What kind of check would you like to make? God, I don't know. Got local, local survival and uh, perception are the only thing I'm good at. Profession, good wife. Um, you know, I was a good wife, but I definitely wouldn't have profession a uh, good mother. Um, <laughs> make a climb check. <laughs> You're just actually, with, from the with, my pure, with my pure strength, I actually do have like a plus seven to strength or to climb. So actually, um, would a knowledge local be good? As I'm describing how uh, how uh, we were able to turn this fort that my husband died into a uh, a new home for the refugees and a, a new start. Yeah, sure, Fuck me on this. Hey, natural 20 for 35. That's got to be at least two points, right? Uh, plus the plus two from the... Oh, journey. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you get the sense that uh, this is kind of sort of a more boring section for uh, these people. Wow. Uh, on, only because it's not like their region that you're talking about. So you're talking about the forest. But you manage through Cobb and Laura's work to keep their interest... Um, Tharamira uh, kind of stands up and says for the for or talks for the first time. These these forts up in the forest—they uh, some very interesting, very strategically designed. Uh, perhaps in the coming years we can use them for something. But it's, it's very interesting tales you tell. Next, but from my understand of the cursory discussion you've had with uh, Mister Lightbrand over here, the meat of your story is. Coming next. Forgive me, but uh, before we start this story, <laughs> I have to race like a piss horse. Um, give, give me sense motive checks. 15. I don't know why you guys aren't. I have a plus fucking 21! Um, so when, when you're discussing the, uh, the towns and stuff, uh, you kind of, the... The dwarven lady, Nicole, or Hikal, kind of eyes light up, and you kind of figure that's because she sees empty towns as, uh, she's a merchant. Uh, she sees it as a way to expand trade. So, here's your bonus for this one. If you fail your first check, you can remake it using a praise, and you get a plus four bonus. Are we just trying to help these dwarven colonizers? So, I can't tell you what they felt fully from their, well, emotions, desires, 
understandings, but they went to this mine. I was on a mission following them. The circumstances are less important than the story. They saw this mine and they saw the people around it. The mine filled with Iamaday knows what, and I think only she knows at this point. And they turned away. And this mine filled with despair, scarcity, and hopelessness was almost a beacon of the despair that spread across this entire region. There were people without homes, refugees, no idea where to go, people on their last leg, and these heroes could have walked away, but they didn't. One known girl, one life, one person they see, and she is alive. Nibbets was a strong person, knowing the capitalist when she sees one, uh, real recognizes real, gets real into this appraise and explains the possible money that could be made, almost as a psych note, but she knows who she's talking to. So rolling like six natural 20s. Because God recommends us winning, Derek. Gorm Greathammer. His sense of adventure, being a, a well-known pathfinder, is kind of stirring up within him. And give me sense motive checks. Let Jeff do this one since he's about to speak, and apparently he also has a good sense motive. I'll eight. Okay. Uh, you know that um, knowing Gorm, you can probably use uh, knowledge dungeoneering or geography, uh, and you'll get a plus two bonus on the check. Uh, otherwise, if you have Dungeoneering or Geography, you can roll it and you'll get a plus two bonus to whatever check you make. I do not. Uh, somebody want to pseudo do it and I'll give them a plus one? I Sorry. have Dungeoneering. That's a 17. Okay, uh, Jeff, you don't get a plus bonus. Really plus quick, can I, get, can I say I did Geography instead? Because that's another 11. Oh, that's for sure. All right, um, I, see <clears throat> uh, I roll a Geography check. I do a, oh, a 27. Hopefully that helps. Yeah, uh, Jeff, you can have a plus one to your check, whatever you make. Uh, Gorm, I will let you introduce this question. It's all about exploring the Hollow Hills. I think I heard uh, one of you talking before about the Hollow Hills. That sounds uh, sounds interesting. I believe they're near here. Why don't you tell me some more about it? Okay, so everyone goes through these towns. They see everything abandoned. They see all these refugees. They avoid going into whatever's happening at the mine. And as they're heading towards Longshatter to see what they can do to help with this upcoming invasion from the Iron Fang Legion, what we end up seeing is that they just run into all kinds of uh, creatures and, and, and people that are, are working for the Iron Fang. And they're doing their best to help limit the forces that may end up overtaking Longshadow. Uh, so they wander through the Hollow Hills and are looking trying to do their best to, you know, protect the area. In one particular instance, they run across a band of hoppies as well as several hobgoblins. Um, and basically what's going on is like the hoppies have some hobgoblins in prison, but then there's another group of hobgoblins who are helping the hoppies and have like this camp set up. And, it, you know, there's something fishy going on. It's a little bit suspicious. Things are, things are looking not so great. So they over, they go through this camp, they, Bust their way through. They kill most of the hobgoblins. They rescue the ones that have been imprisoned, uh, and and do their best to kill the hoppies. But some of the hoppies get away, uh, and and 
like I said, basically they do their best to help clear the hollow hills out of the Iron Fang's grass to, to minimize the amount of soldiers that might be invading Long Shadow, which they're they're coming from they're going to to protect. You know, my nephew at that point, I believe he was going through a, a pretty deep depressive episode, but and kind of disappeared once or twice to go off into the underdark so that he could, you know, make amends with his girlfriend. Because at that time, he finally decided that he wasn't going to be a virgin anymore. God rest his soul. I wish I had some grand nieces and nephews. But that story a tough time thing. for everyone. I know. Exactly, Gorm. You understand what, you, you understand what I'm dealing with. And, yes, that's... That's basically the gist of it. Uh, if you have any, do you have any specific questions? That part of my vision wasn't quite as clear as, as the invasion of Neomathos, but I can do my best. I can kind of commune a bit if you need and see if I can recall anything in particular if you're looking for it. You were saying that there were harpies and hobgoblins in the Hollow Hills? That is correct. Uh, they also managed, I believe, I did forget this, and you might find this interesting being a man of war yourself. At the Hobgoblin camp where these hoppies were, they found some military information about the upcoming siege to Longshadow. They found that there were specific footholds within the Hollow Hills around Longshadow where they were building up the forces. So there was like, uh, there was this camp where they were making like war machines. There was a camp where they had like beasts and then like flying wyverns and stuff like that. They found all this communication about it. And they, you know, put that in their pocket and figured they'd work on that later as they helped the city prepare for the upcoming siege. But, you know, pretty smart of them to locate those letters and kind of get a head start instead of just having to, to start from square one. You know, they started from square two. Square two is easier to start from than square one. Archivist, please write down uh, that the harpies and the hobgoblins do inhabit Hollow Hills. Uh, scribble, scribble, scribble. Ah, thank you. Uh, Gina, would you like to make a check? I would, and I think that... How about a nice knowledge nature since, you know, I'm explaining the hills, I'm explaining the creatures within the hills, uh, basically trying to get... Give them a good good strategic pictures of what the hills look like because at this point I kind of know that uh, they're basically looking to colonize. Uh, sure, go for it. Only one knowledge nature. Uh, Is there any bonus that I had to roll uh, out of? The plus one that Gavin gave you. The 22. Okay. Uh, sense motives. I got this one. <clears throat> uh, Penny rolled a 41. Um, Teresia, you're telling this one? Indeed. Give me a sense motive. Oh, awful. 16, lowest possible. It's DC 20, so there's not going to be any bonuses from that. Uh, basically, the check was to key into a specific person to see if you could tailor it to them, because they're all kind of all over the place on this one. But I think it should be good regardless. So That leads us to the big event. I showed up, I tried to take control, but this mayor, this mayor, <sighs> gets me very upset Fortunately, there's someone cooler-headed that was able to rally. Teresia steps forward, standing mid-distance between both the Synod and her party. She takes a knee and mutters a prayer. Uh, this is the prayer spell. After muttering for a moment in the angel's tongue, she stands up, tossing her hand swiftly down to her sword and grabbing the hilt tightly, swift-casting angelic aspect on herself. She's surrounded by a glowing, almost veil of fiery energy. <laughs> As she opens her eyes towards the assembly, they've turned to a shade of 
I guess you could say fire mixed with a deep blue, and she begins the tale. Assembled Synod. Approximately four months ago, an oracle at the Church of Iomade in Magnamar experienced a divine vision. In this vision, a party of adventurers traveled alongside the Inheritor, marching toward an impossibly large, clearly distant, and brightly golden city. While the adventurers were vague in appearance, they glowed with the same energy as the goddess Iomade. On their journey, the group was beset on all sides by dark forces, mostly hobgoblins and bugbears. The combat was intense, and the goddess was drawn away from the melee by a powerful human man, harrying her with powerful <clears throat> spells conjured from a peculiar staff. The vision began to fade from the mind of the oracle, but before awakening, she saw one final location, a large city, different than the one before, surrounded by stone walls and a besieging army, whose members were of the same composition as the battle witnessed before. The church historians and priests immediately began to consider and research this vision, and it was quickly discovered that an army of bugbears and hobgoblins, under the banner of the so-called Iron Fang Legion, had recently invaded the rural nation of Nermathas. Further, the city seen lay in the Oracle's visions, when described to church geographers, was matched to a settlement in Nermathas, known as Long Shadow. Finally, the adventuring party and their accompaniment by the goddess was correlated to an ancient church prophecy, that of the Heralds of Aridin. I was selected by the priest to venture to Nermathas and investigate it and surrounding nations for any further information. Several days after entering Nermathas, I was ambushed and rendered unconscious by a detachment of troops from the Iron Fang Legion. For nearly two weeks, they held me prisoner. Though they never asked for information regarding my travels, nor did they ever threaten my life. Before I could discern my captors' motives, their camp was attacked by adventurers, who went on to defeat the Iron Fang troops and free me. Among this party was Laura Toller, as well as the late alchemist Truxton Pendleton, the late paladin Jacques Rousseau, and the current absent mesmerist Cyrix Pleathor. They informed me that they were questing to protect the city of Longshadow from an impending Iron Fang attack, and I volunteered my sources <clears throat> towards the same end. Over the ensuing day, we were able to destroy an Iron Fang chemical camp and also a war beast fort. Sadly, Jack and Truxton die in these assaults. Now the heavy heart, we headed back to Longshadow. Back in the city, we were joined by new adventurers. Penny, a strange wife of the late paladin Jack, and Charlie, a capable swordsman from this very Sky Citadel. Hey. In pitched battle against Iron Fang forces, we were able to defend Longshadow's walls, and then sallied forth against a large stone structure outside the city, from which we deserved Iron Fang <clears throat> troops exiting. After protracted engagement under and around this stone structure, we were able to force the Iron Fang leader, the Minotaur General Kasarok, to retreat, and Cyrix destroyed the structure with her magical gifts. Before it collapsed, however, we noticed dwarven runes engraved in the building's stone. After returning to Longshadow to heal and consider our options, we heard news that Sky Citadel Kragodon was under siege by Iron Fang forces. We decided to set forth to the city, both to render aid against the siege and to learn if the runes observed on the Iron Fang Fortress may somehow be linked to the dwarves of the city. Our party changed once again before setting out, however. Cyrix Pleathor left for parts and reasons unknown, and Gina Pendleton, seeking her nephew, arrived and joined our group. If it may please this assembly, I would also like to submit additional information, garnered late last night in communion with the Archon of Iomade. I asked if several former members of the party were indeed Heralds of Aridin, and was told that yes, they in fact were. I also asked the goddess if the Iron Fang are using dwarven artifacts in their war efforts, and again was told indeed they are. Assembled Sinon, 
I also asked the goddess for an evaluation of your moral standing and was told that you are worthy of truth and respect. Though my part in this recounting now comes to an end, I urge you to accept our assistance against the Iron Fang and also to render your knowledge of dwarven magics to deduce the means by which this vile force is attacking both Nermathos and your Sky Citadel. Thank you. What kind of check you want to make? Knowledge religion. I tell it as a sermon. Maximum roll for a 38 with my fucking prayer. There can, we go. I just say, yeah. can I just say, everything you said was important, valuable, filled with purpose, but I still wanted to fall asleep. A perfect sermon. You guys have rolled so many fucking natural 20s on me. I just red-pilled this whole fucking Synod, son. Hell yeah, bro! Dwarf Bart Magazine! Lady Theramira, being a lady of trud. Ooh. Uh, stands up and joins on your side of the table, uh, eagerly wanting more. <laughs> Ooh, woo. Very fine story. You all know how to keep the attention of the sign on. Uh, Carburton uh, kind of looks over to Gorm and he goes, "It, it was. It's just a legend, correct?" But I've always thought, though, this is this is very strange. Could they? Hmm. It's either either it's not if they're telling the truth or they're replicating the stories. Continue. Please tell us uh, about your journey journey here, because that seems like where we're getting. For help. Okay, I got this. Okay, so you guys. So, so here's the thing. I had, a, I had a dream, and no offense, because I'm not saying it's every dwarf, but right. I just know there's something not good going on in the city. Okay, and to be honest with you. And maybe you know something about this. I won't judge you. Dwarves are at fault. And so Charlie. what we came here to do is we came here to kind of uncover that mystery. And all the, the good dwarves, they're all right. But I'm just saying there's a lot of you. Not so good. Let me introduce him uh, to give him more context. Dare I say the only person who hasn't threatened me and truth speaker. Not of issues we want to discuss, but what we have to discuss about our walk through the valley past the evil goddess self-proclaimed Xanathura has some truth to speak. Please, Charlie, continue. I just want you, Charlie, and anything, anything you can remember. And then it seems like you're kind of angry, so... I remember every every, every single bit of it, okay? We're in this cave at one point. We're coming up on Kraken. This is where I was born, by the way. I didn't go outside much, so I didn't know about the whole dwarf menace thing, but, uh, you know... Encountered a few unpleasant ones online, but anyway, we came through this cave, and then and then two of your, uh, no, that sounds bad. I'm not going to say your people, but two dwarfs came and tried to um, attack us, and luckily we were able to, to convince them to to be on our side. Yeah. First, we, uh, think of the the shrimp that section, and then the oh the, the shrimps. You guys had something to do with that? But there was this big um, a hole in the ground, and I wanted to go down there and and. Uh, finish them off and, and then uh so there was these two mantis shrimp down there and uh they're kind of like you guys except for mantis shrimp in that way it's mean evil but uh, i'm not trying to offend you you don't look like one um and then so yeah i i luckily uh you know i honestly i think it's the first time i've ever taken a fat l in my life but yeah i did anyway and so i got out of there don't really remember how still a little bit rattled from it honestly and then after the mantis shrimp, yeah, then we, uh, uh, there was some, like, ice queen or something like that, I feel like. 
Guys, guys, I'm looking around. Remember the snake lady Xanathura? Talk about that bitch. Oh, the snake lady Xanathura, yeah. She had like snake, you you couldn't look at her. And I, it was tough not to, honestly. She was beautiful. But like, she had, she would like turn you to stone or, or something, unless you had to make a, some weird kind of constitution rolls or some shit. Don't really remember. But we beat her and her bodyguards, or maybe we just beat the bodyguards. Was she on our side by the end of that, fellas? I would just Definitely. like to say that at this point, Rom is just like looking at the archivist. Uh, Lightbrand kind of just shrugs at you, Gorm, as if to indicate, yeah, he's been like this for a while, but he's harmless. You want to make I'm it? Not you're, the, you're, the king, you're, the, you're the king dwarf, right? I am the third son. Well, dude, but you still you have power. You can you can stop this menace. You gotta you gotta talk to the dwarves. You're right, talking to the dwarves. Right good idea to let him talk. You want to make a check, Charlie? I, I want to hear the rest of your story. Yeah, I'll make a check. What do I gotta check? Uh, that's basically it for that section. Use, inti- use intimidate, Charlie, because you're kind of angry, and he keeps saying really mean things. I'm not, look, I'm not angry. I just, I mean, I'm a little angry, but not at you. I, I think, you know. Uh, Charlie, we're the good ones. You could frame intimidate as you telling a harrowing tale with uh, a certain fire in your belly. I don't need to roll intimidate. I'll let the cards fall where they may. Oh, no, you no, actually you do have, have to roll intimidate. Oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> King. Uh, Literally so, the worst thing I could possibly roll. So everybody on the dwarf table, uh, you kind of realize that he's being purposely angry and he doesn't quite know how to funnel that. Uh, so he's saying weird things about you when he really is feeling that about the monsters they fought along the way. And you, you kind of get it. No, As that's a, not right. I'm hearing you talk right now. That's not it. Someone stop him. Um... <clears throat> So I, it looks like <laughs> the last thing we have to do is the long walk. Who wants to relay the story of your final? You know what? I got a few questions about that one too. No, here. Let me. really feel. Let me finish this one off, okay? I I got this. Uh, Penny, give me an intro here and some sense motive. I got a twenty. Anybody can use any listed skill from the front as a us. Aid another on this one. So you oh. all aid another. Can I go in as a bluff? Everybody just roll a skill and try to get above a 10. I got a 44 on the bluff. That is above a 10. I got a 38 on craft alchemy. Oh, okay, sure. I give you no, the you power can't. of God on knowledge religion. Um, okay. So that's two. Oh, sorry, never mind. <laughs> that's two successes. I, like, I would like to end this off. To put it simply, there are only two of us who I think could tell it even better. Charlie struck it off on the first note, but the other citizen from Kragadon, one who knows the city's woes better than maybe even you. And she turns to Gina. Okay. So like Charlie said, we were, we were in these caves. We, we've gone into the underdark. We're on our way back to Kragadon. We want to try and avoid getting caught by the Iron Fang. When I get here and we want to talk to you and we want to do what we can, just like Teresia told you. So after we kind of get past the Manta Shrimp, uh, we fight our way through these Morlocks and Xanathura. From there, we finally start the walk. We find the tunnel that's going to take us here. And um, this is where we run into the evil cleric lady, the Trogs. We find this 
like we find a lot of Draugar. And I don't I don't know what the what the general vibe is in this room towards Draugar is, but um this uh one lady kind of had branded herself as a cleric, as a as a merchant of the underdark and uh someone who was well dealing in the slave trade and had a lot of trogs that she kept enslaved and sold to the various evildoers who she worked with. And there was seemed to be a slave uprising as we were wandering through the tunnels. And um, we did our best to defeat this cleric lady. And while we made a pretty big dent on her resources, she did escape us. And ideally at some point we will run into each other again and we will kill her based on some of the many crimes that she has committed. Um, and you know, I used to be in the mob, like sometimes crime's okay, but some of most of the stuff they were doing, no, not good, not good at all. And, um, but, you know, even though we lost her, we found the Trog that had kind of like started the whole slave rebellion. And he had been taken by these like Medusa creatures and charmed into doing whatever they wanted. So he thought they were, you know, his friends, but they weren't. And then those Medusa people tried to kill us, but we you know, beat the shit out of them and rescued the Trog and he was kind of on his way and our guides, Navi and uh, a couple other people we met down there uh, finally got us through the end of the tunnel. You know, it took a couple days, but we made it here. And then we were, before we got rescued by this archivist fella that has been so helpful and wonderful to us during our stay, we met these two like dwarfs, but they weren't really dwarfs. They were like creepy robots that told us that uh, only dwarfs were allowed in the city and that kind of set off our friend Charlie here. But then we realized they weren't actually dwarfs, they were evil. And so we had a little kerfuffle, got through that. Then we met the, you know, the archivist here, we came up to the city and now we are in front of you asking for your help in that you let us figure out how exactly this dwarven ruined artifact came into the hands of the Iron Fang and we offer our services as best as we can. Any any questions, comments, concerns? I can read any of your palms if you kind of need help processing this. Uh, I'm also very good at, you know, if you need your star sign chart done, we can work through that as well. Now that you say it, dwarves don't care much for stars being underground and all, but... That is, that is true. Would you be able to read a very calloused hand? I, you know, I would. Oh, Sam, Maybe. there are no cracks. It's just, a, it's somehow, it's, 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 it's really the whole thing is <laughs> So, uh, roll whatever check you'd like without a plus six, because, uh, Cobb also rolled an eight. Um, hmm. How would you feel, since I'm kind of going through all these different combats that we had, and I'm sure I'm kind of extolling some of my own virtues as being like the only explosive member of the party in terms of combat, uh, that you let me do a craft alchemy check? I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) It was a good shot, though. Uh, (laughs) Would you take, uh, how about stealth, because I am describing how we stealth through the walk. It was a harrowing tale through the dark, Derek. And I kind of, like, <laughs> imitate, like, how, uh, like, I get Penny to cast invisibility on me, and I'm kind of like, <laughs> like, I will say you're getting closer. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't fucking know. I don't want to use one I've already used. 
I feel like the stealth one's pretty good. Please let me do stealth, Delwick. Yeah, go ahead. You're gonna take a minus three though. Forty-two. Did you roll another one? Another one? No, I, I, I said, did you roll another twenty? No, I did not. Uh, I just have a plus twenty-three to stealth. <clears throat> okay. Um. So, uh, Lightbrand stands up. Seems like the stories uh, come to where we've met. Uh, maybe for the the last before we get on with our deliberations, you will tell us. Uh, what you want from us, what you what you hope to achieve by conversing with us today. If you come here, you talk about these dwarven runes and these black towers. We need ways to defeat them. What are they? We have a feeling you might know what they are or might be able to point us in the direction <clears throat> of figuring out how they work, where they came from. Uh, Penny casually glares at Gina because she was getting to that point. We need this information. We need possibly designs, knowledge, understanding, just an edge over these damn Malthoons. Something. Something to help the Nermathi people. We need to know why we found evidence of your artifact. Why your technology and magic is being used whenever it's only being used against you and your interests. That's what we're looking for. Bluff, diplomacy, intimidate, knowledge history. Pick one. I will- uh, so, I don't think she gives a shit about these people, or whoever the fuck Nirmathas is, uh, to be real. Uh, bless Betty's heart. Hey. She rolls a 38 on the bluff, because she really cares about these Nirmathos, or Nirmathis, or whatever. This is interesting information you bring before us today. Uh, we will, as is tradition, deliberate uh, without you in the room, see... What arrangements we can make, if any, to give you access to what you seek, even just amongst ourselves, figure out what might be the best route for that. So uh, you all, unless Gorm, of course, uh, would like to say something else, are excused for the evening, and we will be back to you in the morning. Thank you. Oh, I, think you put it, I think you put it well. Uh, I was just going to say that as we leave the room, I want to pull Laura, Penny, and Gina aside real quick. But that can wait for a moment if you need to. meeting. Nope, I mean, if you guys are leaving, that's fine. We will leave. I'll kind of nod. As we leave, I'm kind of gesture at everybody and say, let's, let's get a bar. Let's just talk about what just happened. <laughs> uh, Char- Charlie, as you're walking, uh, you hear a little voice in your head. Time to use me is coming. Charlie, are you ready? Mouse? And they're just kind of nothing else. So you guys arrive at the bar? Uh, before we walk inside, I, I do want to talk to the, the gals real quick. There's something I need to talk to you all about very briefly. Come on, Teresa. My communion last night with the representative of Iomade, the Inheritor. I inquired if any of our previous party members were in fact heralds of Aradin. I looked to Laura. Laura, I asked if your husband Greg was a herald. I was told yes, he was. I looked at Penny. Penny, I'm sorry, I was limited in the questions I could ask and I couldn't have to inquire about Jack, but I have no doubt that, Harold or not, he must have played a vital role in this process. And I I looked to Gina, and Gina, I asked about Truxton, and if he was a Harold of Aradin, and the Archon told me that yes, he is Gina, he used the present tensing 
I believe Truxton is both alive and a herald, much like Syrix. Okay, yeah, so I don't think I told any of you. You remember how I woke up yesterday and I was really excited that my vision happened? Because I don't know if you all noticed this, but like, I'm probably not actually psychic. Well, you know, I have, I don't have visions. Like, I definitely understand, like, you know, the zodiac and reading crystal balls and palm reading and all of that stuff. But, you know, like the psychic magic that many people are gifted with, I don't have that. And I had this vision about Druxton and, and, um, this voice told me in the dream that he wasn't where I thought he was. And I mean, I thought he was in the fucking cold, dog, cold, hard ground, dead as a doorknob. And the signs are pointing to something very different. And I'm a little bit concerned. Not that I don't, you know, I'm excited to hear that he could still be alive. But you, you, you know what I'm saying? That's, that's fine. I'm sorry. Let us mull over our victories and our newfound knowledge over some jalapeno poppers. Agreed. I need some of that cream cheese. Uh, I'm just going to go out on a balcony and smoke with the mist. Now, Teddy, you do strike me as a blooming onion type cow. First off, we'll take offense to that only because it is true. Order me one. I'm going to talk to Gina and smoke a cigarette. God, I need alcohol after all that bureaucracy. I'll definitely buy you a pint. We walk out on the balcony and I ask for a cigarette and I say, Gina, you are Good foil, I think, for my speaking style, uh, which is to say, you bring substance to a substanceless discussion. I mean, I think there's substance there if you look for it, Penny. Well, I'm not looking for it, so I appreciate your concern. Uh, <laughs> yes, that's. <laughs> Everybody give me a perception check. Monsters! Sixth! 131. I'm halfway through a jalapeno popper right now. But my eyes are always up. Okay. Fuck my dick, William! All right, now you listen here. Uh, two or three blocks away, you hear loud crashes, uh, stone hitting the ground, and screaming. Uh, we rush <sighs> I rush over immediately. I'm ready. I, uh, this isn't a bar fight. Hold on. This is a this is a real fight, Gina. You see Teresa Devil moving down the street. A real fight. Grab my hand. I can run myself, thank you. But I can teleport. Gina sighs and takes the hand. I juke down to the other, the rest of the people at the table, and then I say, give me your hands. Off we go. There is a large metallic creature destroying buildings, uh, attacking civilians. You all get however close you want. Uh, knowledge Arcana to know what it is. It's awfully big for a dwarf. Uh, this, <laughs> is, this is a brass golem. Uh, Charlie, it's got your family sigil on it. Yo, I recognize that sigil. Is it a mean paralysis? Like a sigil or something? Uh, I think constructs are. I think constructs are immune to mind-affecting effects and magic that gives a spell resistance check. Wait, what do you mean you recognize that sigil, Charlie? What, what are you... Is this, is this your anti-dwarf machine? Charlie, it's gone too far. Uh, this is before I even knew the dwarves were real. I thought they were, uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think it's my clan sigil or something like that from gaming. Or maybe something to do with my dad. I don't know. Uh, Wait, your dad? Everybody rolling it. I feel like I saw it around the house. 27 initiative. Derek, uh, why do you hate me? Seven, eight. Fifteen. Fifteen. I eat a jalapeno popper so I can use fire breath as a, as a spell. I can build once in this fight. <laughs> they, they are immune to paralysis, Gavin. Very good um, to know. Gina, your turn first uh, with that check. You also know they 
are immune to fire. Ah, my frost bombs. I will throw two frost bombs at it. Um, I'm thinking that's going to be a negative two for the throw because of the distance. So that's going to be a 36 to hit its touch AC. Yeah, that hits. 37 cold damage and a 21 to hit its touch AC. Uh, yeah. 33 cold damage for a total of 70 cold damage. And if it could make me two fortitude saves at DC 22, if it has the possibility to be stacked. It seems like it, it, he failed the first one. It looks like delightful. Um, Teresia. Delay. Would you like me to delay or I, I will delay. Uh, Penny, what do you do? I haste. Everybody's hasty. Uh, Teresia. Very good. I swift cast divine armor and divine weapon. Uh, I'm going in. Go for a charge. Oh, God. That's awful. Even with my... Uh, does a 22 hit? Uh, no. Figured not. Very good. Uh, Laura. We are hasted. And I shall unleash all the arrows. Does a 36 hit the thing? 21 damage, supposedly. It, it doesn't seem like it all goes through. He is a mechanical boy. Uh, I assume a 30 hits. Or maybe a 30 hits. That's 23. Um, okay. And then a 27? Maybe? Nope. All right. Well, then the 20 definitely misses. All right. Pew, pew. Uh, Charlie. Yeah, you have a lot. Because double your speed if you're charging. So yeah, I will charge up and hit him with my Falcata. Uh, first attack is a 38 crit threat. Uh, at... It was 65 damage because the crit was 45. I assume that confirms. So. Yep. And I wish I had more than one attack because I also hit the second one, but it's okay. Uh, you will five foot step back and use an ability to do... do, do. Charlie, Teresia, give me uh, reflux. 23 on my save. 28. Yeah, so you both succeed. Uh, so you're going to take half damage from its breath weapon as an incendiary cloud surrounds you all. Uh, so take 10 points of damage, both of you. Then your vision's blocked. Uh, two frost bombs. 21. Uh, yeah, roll me a 50% mischance. 59. 29 gold damage. Uh, does a 21 confirm for crit? 20 for the mischance? Uh, you miss. Okay. Uh, um, would it still do splash damage if I miss? I guess. Okay, 11 splash damage. Charlie, in you, your sword, kind of uh, points at past to the golem, if that makes sense. And I'll show you where you're going. Um, or anybody else, even if that's us. Teresia. I swift cast divine power and five foot step towards the Construct. All right, boss. Does a 36 hit? 19 slashing magical. Does okay. a 31 hit? Yep. 25 slashing magical. Does a 40. It's still, I think, calculating. Well, maybe not. Does a 41 hit on the shield bash? Uh, 41 piercing magical. Bonus attack. Does a 39 hit? 25 slashing magical. And I end my turn. Uh, Laura. Um, am I able to see from this angle the. I think I'm going to call it a mischance. Is it just around, like, it, or can I maneuver to, like, it far is a 20-foot cube of smoke. Um, I reckon I'm hasted. I'll just keep putting shots out, and we'll see how many hit, and then we'll roll to see uh, the mischance. Wow, those were some atrocious rolls. That's a two, a two. Uh, God, I didn't. I, I only rolled 131, which, does that hit? Maybe? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it hits. Do 100? Am I going high or low? 51 or higher makes it. Well, that's Don't. a five. So I just fucking perforate somebody's uh, wall somewhere. 
<sighs> Charlie. You hear, as your sword points, you hear a voice. Either claim me or lose me. I already tried to lose you, bro. Face your destiny, Charlie. And Charlie, as you look towards the direction that the sword is pointing you, you can faintly make out a familiar humanoid shape standing across the field. Just within reach of a charge is your brother Francis, but there's a malice on his face, an anger that you haven't seen, well, ever. The sword is seemingly driving you to strike or otherwise incapacitate him. Do you trust it? Bro, I thought they patched Max out of Fortnite, and I charge him. As Charlie begins his charge, we see a montage of wild, seemingly unrelated images. We see a boat at sea, struggling to maintain balance in a storm. The sole passenger stands at the wheel, fighting for his life, to keep the ship afloat as the main mast is struck by a powerful lightning strike. The boat burns. The man jumps, hoping that his old crewmates were wrong about drowning being the worst way to go. As life fades from his body, a small sidearm falls from his holster on his left hip, while an ornate rapier on his right begins to glow, dislodges itself, and vanishes. Meanwhile, on another plane of existence, Greg and Gorgug can be seen standing staring in awe as they see the Temple of Aridin up close for the first time. They look down and see the group that is moving in slow motion on the summit of the mountain has made little to no progress. Jacques sits in wait with only the darkness of his cell to keep him company. The visions haven't left his mind as he wrestles with what he might have to do next. We see Truxton Pendleton walking slowly and dejected through an endless white void. He's been here for what feels like far too long, and as that thought crosses his mind, he hears a sound like a sonic boom, which knocks him out. He awakens several minutes later, sitting in a chair, much too big for his little gnomish body. Cyrix searches. There has to be a place she can go to find Ferrum, right? She has the tool she needs, but no clue on how to properly use it. She walks for miles at a time, but can't escape the feeling that she's being watched. But every time she looks back to see who might be pursuing her, she sees either nothing, or maybe just a small woodland animal. As Charlie emerges from the flames of the golem's breath, he sees his brother's Francis's eyes almost red. His sword lifts itself to attack, but Francis raises his blade to parry the blow. Steel strikes steel. The moment contact is made, Charlie... You find yourself in another place. It's silent. Servants are walking around you, bringing breakfast to much younger versions of your father, your brother, and yourself, but not even their footsteps can be heard. Eventually, after a few minutes, your father's voice breaks the silence. <laughs> Charlie, I have another big day of gaming ahead of you. Charlie responds, but there's no noise. You know, son, I'm... I'm glad you found something that you enjoy, something that makes you happy. You know, hell, maybe you'll make a career out of it one day. <laughs> Charlie smiles. Son, if you love something, that's deep down in my heart, I think that's what you should pursue. You know, me and Frankie, we love fighting, so that's what we do. That's what he's gonna do. 
I hope my career has given both of you enough stability to find something you love and are able to pursue that. The conversation goes on, but once again, there's no sound. Francis's schoolboy form turns to Charlie, and what comes out of his mouth is desynced from the way his lips are actually moving. Remember when it was like this? It was good. It, it really was. Little brother, I am so sorry for what I became and for what's about to happen. I'm, I'm different now. I, I can't control myself now. It's, it's the same way dad is different now. You know, the sword you have in your hand right now. The sword he got when he was promoted and then passed down to me. It changed us. I don't know what, but it wants something, and we failed it. I fear for what comes next. Brother, have you failed it? Charlie, Charlie, Charlie. I thought it was you I've been looking for. I've been through countless hands over the years. None of them seemed as right as yours. I wish I was not designed the way I am. I'm not evil by nature. There's something part of my programming makes... Well, I don't want to corrupt the souls that aren't worthy. It just happens. The one who created me created me like this for some... Some purpose. Charlie, you are worthy, so I feel... Even if I wanted to, I couldn't corrupt you but you're not quite right. Your apathy has destroyed the bond we needed to share. To end it all before it began. You've offered to give me up too many times. I came back, but you didn't want it. I leave you with this. It may not be over. I haven't told anybody this because nobody has ever gotten close enough. But I have a twin. If you can ever find your way to him, well, maybe you're his wielder. And not mine. Francis pushes aside Charlie's blade and knocks him to his feet. Charlie's sword doesn't put up any resistance this time as a furious onslaught rains down on Charlie from his brother. The golem goes limp, and its body falls to the ground, absorbing the fire and smoke that it put out of its mouth just moments ago. And you, the party, see three men standing over Charlie's lifeless body. Two elven men, the younger holding a bloody sword, look like older versions of Charlie. The third man reaches down with a black serrated blade and flips Charlie's falcata into his offhand. He looks over at the party across the street and smiles. Then his eyes focus on Laura Toller. The smile turns to shock and all three vanish with a pop into the night. We find ourselves amongst the party of Vision, of Julian, of Lorki, of Uma, and of Gregor. 
Does Gregor want to say anything? Oh, friends, do you smell that? It smells a bit like destiny and new awakenings. And that is the end of our broadcast week. The end of our first 99 episodes. And next week, we will see you on the other side of 100. And you'll get to meet a great new Eames character. Oh my god. I'm so excited. We <laughs> had that fucking construct. You give us eight more rounds against his DR-10. Oh, sad that Charlie went out and just a brutal slain. I will. Oh, yeah, like. Fucking ice man. Are you serious, that little bastard? Like, you just got murked. Well, that's what racism does, man. You, you know, it comes back to you eventually. <laughs> uses trademarks and or copyrights owned by Paizo Incorporated, which are used under Paizo's community use policy. We are expressly prohibited from charging you to use or access this content. This podcast is not published, endorsed, or specifically approved by Paizo Incorporated. For more information about Paizo's community use policy, please visit paizo.com forward slash community use. For more information about Paizo Incorporated and Paizo products, please visit paizo.com. Iron Fang Invasion is copyright 2017. Iron Fang Invasion and the Pathfinder Adventure Path are trademarks of Paizo.